Okay, imagine if you needed a skin transplant because you had been burned. And I know typically they take your own skin, but let's just pretend that they, I donated some of my skin and they did that transplant. Would it be unreasonable to imagine that your skin would then receive my skin and that your ligands and your frequency in your body would begin to communicate to my skin and it would become one? That's reasonable, right? So that's basically what happens when you lay hands on someone and you listen to their body talk to you through their own oils in their body, their own chemistry, you call it sweat, but in the sweat there's going to be oil, um, and the frequency that your body is resonating at. And that sounds crazy, but that's what happens in a skin transplant or a heart transplant or any other transplant. The body receives it, yet the body receives it, and once the body receives it, it begins to communicate the same way to that transplanted either organ of skin, because skin is your largest organ in the body, or any other organ that you receive. And it, it basically communicates in two ways. It communicates through chemicals, which we call ligands, and those ligands actually go knock on the cell wall, if you will, where the receptor sites are, and that cell is either going to receive the information into the cell wall or not. And it's also going to communicate through frequency. And the frequency will help determine whether or not that cell is going to receive the chemical that's knocking on the door. Let's take someone who's uh, insulin resistant. Um, they eat a cookie and their body begins to communicate through the hypothalamus, through the thyroid, through the liver, through all the different you know parts of endocrinology. Hey, I need some insulin. Pancreas then re releases insulin into the body and then it knocks on the cell wall. Well, the cell wall, if it's confused, will say, no, I have enough insulin. Thank you. You can't come in. Well, that's insulin resistant. And so the, the real reason people typically become insulin resistant is because their own heart has been insulted. And how has it been insulted? Growing up, it may have learned through sorrow and suffering that they, they will never measure up uh, and can't, they're not lovable. They're too stupid to be loved, too ugly to be loved, too whatever to be loved. And so they become kindness or love resistant, insulin resistant. It can't receive sugar in the body. The other typical thing for someone who's insulin resistant is they... Every time they, or most of the times they received love growing up, there was an ulterior motive. So there was a payoff. So for example, if you showed me kindness as a child, simply so that you could get something out of me and abuse me in some type of way, um, whether it was to make your own self feel better, or it was to physically abuse me or sexually abuse me or whatever, then that body will learn, don't receive love and kindness because if you do, there's a payoff. And so when that happens, it goes into the endocrinology, into the limbic brain, because the limbic brain and the amygdala is formed with information and emotion. It's not formed with one only. It's formed with a combination. So the only way to transform that part of the brain is you have to go back into whatever it was that locked that cell up or that memory up in that protein. And so if rejection locked it up or abandonment or it could be confusion or fear, anything, any emotion whatsoever that created that belief system is the only way to go in and change it. What we've seen over the past, or I've seen over the past 30 years in my own life and in others, 
we attempt to change that belief system through the frontal lobe through education and knowledge. And education and knowledge is great, but that will not change the amygdala nor the endocrinology. So what I do is I bring people in and I lay my hands on them, typically on their feet, on their head, and I will listen with my skin for their body to communicate through my skin what's going on. And as I hear through those ligands and those frequencies, um, I will say that out loud. And a lot of times the individual will be confused and they'll go, no, that's not, I don't think that's true. And then I'll say, well, tell me what you think. And believe it or not, they will actually repeat the same thing I just said, but in a different set of words. It's so basically they're in denial. And so part of my job is to unveil that denial and then through a process of um, heightened state of emotion, provoking a heightened state of emotion, I then, once they get in that place of, of their memory where they're hurting again, then I'll deposit new information. And I do that by way of waiting for the Holy Spirit, waiting for God to tell me what to say and how to say it, what picture to paint. And when I paint that new picture in a heightened state of emotion, what happens is their amygdala changes. That chain link protein is no longer the same as it was before. Sort of like taking a hot cup of coffee and adding cream and sugar to it and maybe a little chocolate and changing black coffee into a mocha latte. And once that occurs, it can't go back. And that's the, it can't go back to being black coffee and that body will begin to heal.